On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. So today we're going to be talking about bisexuality, sort of like bisexuality part two and self-actualization and marriage as well. Um, what does that have to do with business? Well, not that much really, but the last time I did a show about bisexuality, it was really well received and the, probably the part that does have a bit to do with business and career and what the show is about in terms of finding purpose is the piece around self-actualization, which is where we're going to start. But before we do that, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today. The land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So I did a bisexual a bisexual episode, an episode about bisexuality a few weeks back. Um, it was very well received. If you haven't listened to that and you want to listen to this episode, go and listen to that first because this is kind of like a part two. We're not going to cover things like definitions. We're not going to cover things like, well, we might a little bit um, talk a bit more about mental health issues, but I talked about that in the last uh, episode as well. And just know that we're going to be talking about some pretty heavy stuff here. So just a bit of a content warning for people who might be feeling a bit like they're not in the mood to have that kind of conversation with me today. Um, because I'm going to be asking questions that are going to get you thinking and it might be a bit triggering. So if you're not in that frame of mind, there's loads of other episodes. There's over a hundred episodes on this podcast. So listen to this podcast another day and you can come back to this if and when you're ready. Uh, the other thing I want to quickly talk about, which I mentioned briefly at the end of last week's episode, is I have launched a membership site. I'm really, really excited about it. It's kind of still like I've launched it but <laughs> in, in true Lauren fashion. It's being built while I'm launching it. <laughs> because I'd rather get something out there than nothing. Otherwise, I'll just procrastinate forever. So if you go to laurenslaboratory.com, you can sign up for a free membership. I'm also going to have some uh, additional membership levels coming through and some courses and things in a bit. But just for now, I have a free level that gives you access to all the templates and ideas that we've been talking about throughout the show, especially when it comes to growing your brand and business. And what I'm doing essentially is I'm packaging it together in lessons so it's a little bit more easy to see where different ideas fit and how they can help you to achieve certain goals. So really, really excited. There's a couple of um, free resources already up there that you can download and access and, yeah, 
it's pretty cool. I'd also love to know what you guys think because I have been playing around with visuals and yeah, graphics and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking it's looking pretty cool. So yeah, head over to laurenslaboratory.com, sign up for a free membership and I'll be emailing you and keeping you updated as things start to come together. You'll also have access to posts and things from me. So it's got a bit more of a community vibe to it where you can um, comment and have discussions with me and all that kind of stuff. So I really love that because I love getting to know the people that listen to the show and um, yeah, I think we'll have a lot of fun. Okay, so where shall I start this? Well, I want to start this with a little story of a movie I saw recently. So I saw um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, about Freddie Mercury's life and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Queen fan but I definitely have always admired their music um, and Freddie Mercury's story is sort of like one that is – you know, I've, I've known about since I was little. Um, and so I was pretty excited to watch this and, you know, it was, it was pretty fucking amazing. Like it was a great movie, but there was this one point in the movie and it just, it really hurt. Like it really hurt to watch. Um, and I don't think, you know, I was reading about it later, actually. It wasn't like, I think it's, Okay, let me tell you what happened, then I'll give you a bit of commentary. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie yet, a bit of a spoiler alert. Um, but if you know a bit about Freddie Mercury's life, it's not going to be too much of a surprise. Essentially, there's a scene where so Freddie Mercury is engaged to Mary and he's in love with Mary and Mary is the love of his life. And you kind of see him up at, up until this point, up until this scene, he's sort of like – there's a part where you can see he's questioning his sexuality, you know, with things like they're showing him, you know, maybe looking at someone, a guy who's like checking him out or, you know, that he's clearly like being flirtatious and probably they're hinting at having sexual relationships with men. And anyway, so he's sitting down with Mary and he's like, I want to talk to you about something and I've been thinking about it a lot. And Mary's kind of like bracing herself, you know, and he says, and and she actually, she kind of says, sorry if I'm not recounting this properly for people who've watched this, but she basically kind of says, oh, like, tell me, you know, like she's frustrated, you can tell me kind of thing. And it's almost like kind of showing it like she knows what he's going to say. And he says, I think I'm bisexual. And she turns around and she says, you're gay, Freddie. And when I saw that, I just was like, oh, how many people have been through this? How many people have been through this situation of coming out to their partner, coming out to the person they love and their how they identify themselves not being accepted? Now, if did this actually happy, happen between Mary and Freddie? Well, Mary's still alive and she was involved in the making of the movie, but Freddie Mercury was always pretty private about his sexuality and his sexual orientation. Um, but this scene just kind of got me thinking about this a bit more and I wanted to because last episode that I talked about this, I didn't really talk that much about intimate relationships. I touched briefly on sort of I talked a little bit about monogamy and polyamory but we didn't talk about it that much and I just there's so much more that I'm thinking about now um 
I guess now that I've probably come out publicly um, and I kind of am more, I guess, involved in talking about it publicly um, and just stuff I'm going through in my own personal life, which I'll talk a little bit about um, as it as it kind of arises and as it's relevant. But I was just like, you know, this this idea of taking this big step to move towards recognizing in yourself the person you truly are and really thinking about it and taking that time and going on that journey which can be extremely scary and then saying that to someone else and having it immediately rejected. This is something that so many people in the bisexual community deal with all the time. I just saw, you know, like I'm on Twitter and I follow a bunch of sort of um, accounts that talk about issues in relation to this. And I see things like almost on a daily basis of people who identify as bi or bisexual plus as well, um, sort of being delegitimized, like by people who are supposedly accepting of the LGBT community. So like this tweet uh, was from Tally Rose who said, just had a publisher tell me that because I'm bisexual, I'm not part of the LGBT community and not qualified to write about it. So that's something. There was another one that I saw um, as well, which was a conversation between two um, two men about bisexuality and basically he said, his Twitter handle is at Freybom. He said, I wish bisexual men felt more loved by society. I'm so sorry. He said, one of my gay followers said this, so my reply was from what I know. I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had. So his followers, follower said, because it's interesting, it's like they're babies or something speaking about bisexual men. They need defense from everyone, but no one is attacking them. People just don't prefer to engage intimately with them. And I have to be fair, it's not all of them. It's the ones on here though. Why fight so hard to be seen from someone who doesn't want to see you? See yourself, love yourself. People who will love you back will come. Maybe I'm jaded because we never had the chance to cry about being accepted. We had to hide it our whole childhood, messing up, us up mentally, and we didn't even know. We will always be hated, but then, I think, but what then? It's meant to be, meant to be what he said. Then, then you can just switch it up when it gets hard. I've never liked that. I've seen it happen. And the response from at Freybomb was, this is very, very insensitive and I think you may need to reconsider this. See, your plight doesn't take away from another's and vice versa. I think that forming an indifference to anyone's suffering or pain is not healthy. They go through being exiled on both sides. Also, all bisexual people are not the same. You may have a bisexual friends or associates that not have not disclosed that they're actually bisexual because they fear that you or other gay men may not accept them and they don't tell how tell you how they wish they could also date women but women may not accept them especially black bisexual men imagine being dated by homophobic biphobic black people racist non-black people a lot of gay people and then here to people in general they can feel exiled so this reply of yours is kind of tone deaf and Frey Bomb um, is a african-american so I thought that was really interesting and there's so much stuff in there, so much stuff and I was like, 
I just felt the need to talk about this some more. So I want to I want to talk a bit about self-actualization first, as I say, as we get 10 minutes into the episode. Um, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasters. I've mentioned him on the show uh, before. Uh, he's called Blind Boy, uh, Blind Boy Boat Club, and his podcast is called The Blind Boy Podcast. And on a recent episode, he was talking about on becoming a person and he was talking about Carl Rogers and his sort of theory of self-actualization. And self-actualization is something that we also talk about in the context of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So self-actualization is right at the top of the pyramid. A way that uh, we can think about self-actualization, and I really like the way Blind Boy talked about this as well, is he kind of talked about it like a plant that's growing towards the light. I actually think he used a potato as an example. But I like this idea of growing towards light or going towards the light as well because we have this we have this sort of innate knowledge of how we can reach our full potential, right? We have this drive to grow and we have this drive to become the person who we can be, our true self, our real self. And this is that's what sort of self-actualization is, right? This idea of getting closer and closer to that light that allows us to experience meaning that allows us to experience purpose that allows us to experience ourselves and as we're growing up we can get given all of these signals that kind of stop us from moving towards that light so the way Carl Rogers sort of talks about it is in terms of you've got your ideal self versus your Real self. Oh, and for people who aren't aware, Carl Rogers is considered sort of like the founder of um, modern day uh, psychotherapy. So, this is what a lot of psychotherapy is trying to help us achieve, right? They're trying to trying to help us work through all of this these issues and all of this baggage so that we can reach our full potential. So, our ideal self and our real self can look like two very different people depending on the messages that we've been sort of sent as we're growing up. So one thing that's super important to all of us is that people think well of us. We've got a part of our brain that is actually wired to make sure that we're fitting in with the crowd. And what happens is, is if we get signals of we're going to be rejected, we're going to be rejected, then we'll kind of change who we are we'll kind of adapt ourselves so that we're not rejected by the group and because we really we're wired for positive regard from others because we need people to survive so the problem for us from the bisexual perspective I think one of the big problems is that society has completely lied to us and that's quite hard to come back from. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, the thing is, is, and it's kind of alluded to in that tweet I just read out before, is it's very difficult to see bisexuals active in the community. So it kind of seems like a bit of a mythology. Oh, no, that's not a real thing. No one's really bisexual because a lot of our movies, a lot of our media has been very quiet about bisexuality. It's also like 
in relationships that we see, we tend to see it's, it would be, I mean, I'd love to know if people had, had seen this growing up. Um, I, I never had even known that this was possible. We, when we see relationships, we either see a relationship with a man and a woman or a relationship with a man and a man or a relationship with a woman and a woman. We don't see other types of relationships in the world. Now, a lot of people who are in those either seemingly heterosexual or seemingly homosexual relationships are bisexual, but most bisexual people don't come out publicly. A few years ago, it was only 9%. I think it was 9%. Okay, I just double-checked. So it's 19% of bisexuals are out to all or most uh, pe- important people in their life uh, versus 75% of gay or lesbians who are out to all or most important people in their life. So if we're talking important people, then what are we t- talking about with public? Like public it would be even less, right? Um, and also if you talk to a lot of people, like, I mean if you listen to interviews with people who identify as gay, uh, some of them will actually say, oh, well, you know, like I guess technically I'm bisexual but I just found the gay label a bit easier and I want to pursue relationships with men. Um, so it, it's like it's very um, it's it's very hard to see. So our society has kind of told us, we've learned like this isn't really a thing also, we've learned that monogamy is the only way to really have a relationship. And based on that, if we go back to what we were talking about with self-actualization, if we're like, okay, in order to be accepted, I need to fit into one of these groups and to get that positive regard, to get a partner, to feel loved, and I also need to be monogamous, that's going to be problematic for some people who are bisexual because, again, this is a spectrum and people who are bisexual may want to be in a monogamous relationship or may not. That's going to depend. Um, So it's going to depend on them, right? There's no right or wrong there. But monogamy is something that actually is an issue for all sexual orientations but with bisexuality I think for me in my personal experience I kind of feel like it's hard to feel completely self-actualized in a monogamous relationship that's my personal experience with it um because it's like I feel like part of me isn't doesn't exist and I feel like part of me can't be actualized and that's a really really difficult thing because in society that's kind of seen as like I mean you know I'm married so I've taken a vow um and those vows come with certain you know ideas and perceptions and restrictions and all that kind of stuff and what we've been told in society as well is that you're meant to find this one person who fulfills everything which is total BS, right? Regardless of whether you have a sexually intimate and romantic relationship with someone else, you can't have one person meet all of your needs. I mean, this is something that Elaine de Bodden talks about quite a bit as like a problem with 
this idea of romantic love. Like we still have friends, we still have family, some of us have kids, you know. There's other important relationships in our life. Um, but the thing is, is like I'm just sharing my personal, you know, um, experience with this. But the thing is, is it's like because those opportunities haven't really been that visible, they're starting to be more visible now but still it's there's a lot of stigma there's a lot of shame there's a lot of you know issues with this idea of going against the grain and I think as a result it can just make it harder for us to understand how we move towards that light because we're so worried about positive regard now one of the big issues with this as well is that we then start to sort of internalize these ideas that society has placed on us. So for instance, if, you know, I told my story last time, like it was sort of like I was told by, you know, someone else who had been bisexual and identified as bisexual, um, who I was dating, he was kind of like, well, I, you know, I had to choose and that's, you know, you kind of can't have it both ways. And so for me hearing that, it was like, oh, okay. So that thing that was kind of just on the edge of my periphery as an 18-year-old is not something that I can pursue. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay, like it's not a thing. You, you know, you know. Um, and so who I was then became like, oh, I need to be, that kind of, I need to be, I need to make a choice. I need to be straight or I need to be gay. And um, the value that I placed on myself depended on how I navigated that question. So instead of just going, this is my genuine actualizing tendency, this is where I want to move to feel like a whole person, it became I've got to fit into this role so that I can be loved and I also remember and this wasn't clear to me at the time because a lot of this is stuff that you think about in retrospect is I didn't realize that part of what I did as I you know got back together with my now husband was I went okay I can't I can't keep doing this I can't keep we can't keep breaking up and getting back together, which wasn't because of, well, it was probably partly because I was trying to figure stuff out with my sexual orientation. But th there were a lot of other things like, you know, that aren't related so much to that. Um, I was young when I met my husband. I was 18. So just, you know, kind of growing up and figuring out life um, <laughs> was part of the reason. And relationships are hard. But we kind of have broken up and gotten back together a few times. And when we finally got back together, I was like, I can't, I have to close the lid on this. I can't try to have a romantic, intimate relationship with a woman anymore. I can't have that as a goal because if I have that as a goal, it's going to destroy this beautiful relationship that I have with my husband. And so what I realized looking back on that was I started to place value on an ideal self of like this ideal version of me that was straight not because I think being gay is bad just because the person I was with with was someone of the opposite sex 
I was like, okay, I, I am, I'm straight. And I, I, I guess like, I didn't really use that t- label. I just went like, I found my person. I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to be happy. And that did work for a while. But the problem is, is there's a part of me that is really keen to continue growing. There's a part of me that's really keen to continue realizing my full potential. And now I'm like, I don't feel like I can realize that full potential without this other part of myself being expressed. And I don't mean that in a curiosity way. I don't mean that in an exploration way. I mean that as in a need way. I mean that as in like this is a fundamental need that I have that isn't being met, that I want to do everything I can within my power to ensure that that's met so that I feel like my life has meaning, so that I feel like my who I am is being realized. And I think the hardest part of all of this was probably dealing with that ideal self component, dealing with the fact that I was like, I can't pretend to be someone else anymore. And that, you know, that doesn't have to do with having a relationship with someone else. That's got nothing to do with uh, monogamy or polyamory or anything. It was like, a lot of this was also in my head. And that's what I want to actually spend more time talking about because there's parts of this that is that are like my personal journey. And there's parts of this that probably are more relevant to you in terms of the questions that you can ask yourself. So one thing first to think about, like in terms of that, how you're valuing yourself, where you're placing your goals, the mistake that I made that I didn't realize it was completely subconscious because again, this is all like messages that we've been taught from society from an early age. The goal that I kind of, I remember, I remember I was kind of seeing this girl and I realized I was like, I really miss my husband. Well, he's now my husband at the time, my ex-boyfriend. And I want to do everything in my power to get back together with him. And whatever I need to sacrifice to do that, I will do because I want to make this work. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether um, nothing else is making this feel better. Like having this person in my life is so, so important. So my goal went to I need to I need to have this person in my life because I love him and I care about him and I want to to but my belief the problem was my belief was but I can't keep questioning this thing it wasn't it wasn't even questioning it was like I can't keep letting this thing become sort of almost like the word I guess I would use is like a distraction in our relationship I need to get over it you know that was the language I was using which is very hard language, very judgmental. And so that having that goal, what kind of happened was I started, I think I sort of, it wasn't like I looked down on people who were bisexual or I judged people who were, who were bisexual. But what I did do was for myself, I judged myself for being bisexual and I wouldn't even use that language. I would say like, oh, yeah, I've dated women. You know, I wouldn't use the word bisexual because 
I was so afraid of being rejected by the person who I loved so much. Now, the thing is, is like bisexual or not, this is something that happens in relationships. This is something that happens, especially in long-term relationships. You know, this person is so important to us that we start to bend who we are based on what we believe they'll be okay with, based on what we believe that they'll think. But from the perspective of being someone who's bi, I think what we can do as well is we can go back into the closet or we can pretend that needs that we have because, and I'll read this a bit later, it's in the Bisexual Manifesto, there's there's this stigma that you're promiscuous or that you're going to leave someone for the other gender or other genders, you know, that you're, um, that you don't, that you're just going to change your mind and not care about someone anymore because you're bisexual. There's all these horrible stigmas and we can internalize that as well and then think, oh, if I acknowledge this identity, then I'm going to have a very hard time. I'm going to have a difficult life. I'm going to have a difficult life. So I'm I'm going to talk myself out of it. And that's so damaging. It's so damaging because we end up feeling like there's no meaning, there's no purpose because our ideal self doesn't take into account all these things about who we truly are, this really, really fundamental part of who we truly are, our biological needs, our relationship needs, our needs for belonging. So... Don't waste the summer months staring at a screen trying to figure out who accepts your vision insurance. Pearl Vision works with all major vision plans, including iMed. Plus, when you bring in the receipt from your last eye exam, they'll apply up to $150 towards a new pair of glasses. Visit pearlvision.com to find your neighborhood eye care center today. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 10-31-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. It's, I guess I probably should start asking some questions because I'm kind of talking a lot about myself. And I think a first sort of question that we will be maybe worth asking if you're listening to this and you're someone who's married or in a committed relationship with one person, it's like to actually explore that question of like, can I be satisfied in a monogamous marriage? And is that something that I truly want? Like if I just think about me reaching my full potential, is this what I want or is this what I've been told I should want by society? And there's, it's just figuring that out because it could be that you're very happy with one person and it doesn't mean that your identity changes. It doesn't mean that suddenly you're not bisexual because you're in a committed relationship. 
because um, that's the other thing is we can feel like we're delegitimized if we're not having a relationship with a man and with a woman or with someone who you know doesn't kind of identify with either of the binaries um we can also sort of think about and that question is also something that anyone in a relationship needs to think about because this idea of monogamy is not necessarily the best or the only way to do relationships. It's one way. It's the way our society has told us that we will be accepted by other people. But more and more people are starting to talk about polyamory openly. Um, but again, I don't want to equate bisexuality with polyamory because it's it's like they're two different spectrums, Right. I'm just talking about it because this is my personal, you know, thing that I'm thinking about. So if you're with one person, you want that one person in your life and you're happy to you're happy to have that commitment to one person, that's awesome. You don't have to therefore get rid of that bisexual label. You don't have to get rid of your identity. You don't have to erase a part of yourself. And I actually think, you know, the more of us who can come out and talk about being in a, a married relationship or a long-term relationship as someone who's bisexual, the more people can also understand that bisexuals are people who commit. It's just that people assume whatever whoever you're with is what um, orientation you are. So people assume I'm straight because I'm married to a guy. Um, and people assume that bisexuals, that bisexual women who are with other women are lesbians. That's just the assumption people make unless we, so as a bisexual, we're constantly coming out. And that was one thing I found really triggering about that Twitter sort of criticism of bisexual men before was I was like, well, what do you expect them to do? Do, they, do you expect them to tell everyone all the time that they're bisexual because that's kind it can be a bit exhausting and why do you have to tell everyone like you can tell the people that you want to tell you know um but I think that visibility for ourselves and for other people and for young people who are sort of in this part of their life where they're questioning can be really helpful to see oh there's a woman married to a man who's bisexual there's a man married to a man who's bisexual you know like we're here, we exist, we're just not seen. Um, I think the other thing we need to think about is like relationship struggles and one thing that I always, I mean, relationship struggles and challenges are completely normal in a long-term relationship. So figuring out what parts of that are to do with, like are there aspects of this that are to do with your sexual orientation, your sexuality, and are the parts of that that are also just to do with like normal married life. Um, I think the challenges are different depending on whether you're in a mixed orientation relationship or you're in a relationship with someone else who's bisexual. So, for instance, I've listened to bisexuals who've talked about like they're a bisexual woman, they're married to a bisexual man, and both of them have a relationship outside of or relationships outside of their marriage with people of the same sex so they don't have relationships with people of the opposite sex because they already have each other but you know the the guy has a boyfriend and the girl has a girlfriend um and I think in my head anyway I think like in some ways being with someone who is bisexual of the opposite sex 
would maybe make things a bit easier but it's not my experience and it's not my story to tell so I don't want to like put that on people who actually are going through that but in my mind I'm like oh the, the one of the challenges of being in a mixed orientation relationship where I'm bisexual and my husband's straight is constantly trying to explain I feel like I have to constantly try to explain I don't necessarily need to but I feel like I do that it's not a threatening thing and I think again that's probably because of the stigma I think I probably am still tr- on that journey trying to deal with all of this internalized biphobia and kind of go, no, 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 I'm not like that. I'm not going to do this and blah, 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 blah. I feel like I have to justify myself because I'm like, you don't know what this experience is like. I'm like, it's not a threat. So one thing that I'm often saying to my husband, this is what I believe, is I'm like, me, I believe that me pursuing a relationship with a woman isn't a threat because I'm like I'm not pursuing a relationship with a man. And I'm like the type of relationship would be different. Obviously, I have a primary relationship at home with my husband who I live with and an external relationship with a woman would be something where I wouldn't have that same level of intimacy and the same living situation. Like that's how I imagine it in my head. But at the same time, then I also have to think about, well, if I was going to pursue a relationship with a woman outside of my marriage and it w- I wasn't going to bring that into the marriage, then what's her life situation? Like is she married to someone? Has she got a home? Has she got a partner who lives with her um, instead of because otherwise that can be problematic as well where it's sort of like that person wants more and I can't I can't be more for them. So there are some of the things that, I've been thinking about and trying to work through and definitely haven't figured all of that out yet, you know. Um, but I think what's been amazing has been that I am still loved and I'm still accepted by talking about all these things that I thought were meant that I was just going to be immediately rejected and sort of like not loved anymore. Um, and that isn't always something that's the case in a mixed orientation relationship or in, um, any relationship, right? We have things that we're talking to about with our partner that might be really threatening to them and that they kind of react to. And I think the, the biggest thing, the thing that's been super helpful is I did two things. Um, one, I have a psychotherapist who I see individually, Um, to get support and to help me kind of feel like someone has my back and is going to make sure and hold me accountable for making sure that I can reach my full potential as an individual. And then also on top of that, I'm also with my husband seeing a marriage counsellor. And in that, then it's about prioritising the relationship and how do we both take care of each other's mental health Um, and make sure that we're getting as much out of life as we possibly can. Um, And there are two things that I think if you're kind of questioning this stuff and trying to work this stuff out, um, it's really important to get that support and that help because it's really difficult. It's really difficult to, and and it can maybe at times feel a bit unsafe. Um, And I'm not a healthcare professional, so I'm not giving healthcare advice. I'm just saying this is what's worked for me as I'm working through these struggles. 
And I think the other thing is that we need to be aware of is things change. One of the beautiful things about being bisexual is that we're so fluid in the way that we express ourselves and that we see people and that we love people. And again, there's a wide spectrum of of people and it's sort of like we're missing out on seeing all this beauty in this rainbow of the LGBT community because we're so scared of being rejected by people within the community and also people in society at large. Um, so we're kind of missing out on all of this, all of this color, all of this beautiful color. And I think that it's okay if you're, you know, we, we need to feel like it's okay. And I'm saying this for myself, like that maybe who we're attracted to changes over time. Maybe the kind of relationship we want changes over time. I've gone through periods of my life where I've really wanted one person in my life. I've gone through periods of time in my life where I've really wanted to be with a woman and I've gone through periods of my life where I've really wanted to be with a man and I've gone through periods of my life where I've found it really appealing to pursue someone who is gender fluid, someone who identifies as transgender because it takes all of that gender bullshit away, which I really love as well. So I, you know, I think well, <laughs> I remember on this like I had this like public coming out post on Facebook and I said like the first person that I like, I just remember I kind of was just like, oh, wow, was um, David Bowie or David Bowie in The Labyrinth. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, like this person is just, I was like so obsessed. I literally watched The Labyrinth just so I could watch David Bowie. Um, and I loved the makeup and the, the costume and all that kind of stuff. And um I think, you know, it's funny to think back of back on like what I've been attracted to, uh, you know, growing up even from a really young age and as a teenager. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I, um, I digress. So things change and that's okay. And what we need to be asking ourselves is where is that light for me now? Where do I want to, how do I give myself the support to reach my full potential and who can help me and advocate for me to get that? Um, because the thing is, is we want to be able to really com clearly communicate to our partners, this is what I need. This isn't threatening to you. This is what I need. This is why. This is why it's important. And we, we want to do that in a way where they feel like they're being looked after and they're being cared about, um, but also we're taking care of ourselves. Because what I did for a long time is I went, fuck, don't worry about what I need, worry about what the other person needs because otherwise I'm just going to hurt. And I remember feeling like I'm just someone that hurts people, you know, like it was like that was my identity. I was so self-judgmental about wanting to explore things beyond the norm, quote, unquote, of monosexuality um, and just feeling like that was something I could never, ever, ever, ever pursue. I was like, no, this is just something in my head. You can never pursue this and it will never be okay. And that's a lot to do with how I was raised and I talked about that in um, part one on bisexuality. So I won't kind of revisit that that here. But, you know, think, think about are you bending to meet society's expectations? Are you creating this ideal self where you can sort of fit the mould of what your partner expects, what society expects, and how can you – support yourself to start moving towards that light again because that's what will help you be kinder to yourself be kinder to other people to you know 
experience less anger and anxiety and depression, all these horrible things that go along with rejecting ourselves at this really, really fundamental level. I'm going to finish up in a minute. So I wanted to talk about um, my reaction to the lesbian manifesto and also I wanted to read out the bisexual manifesto as well. Seeing as where we're at, I might start off by reading out the bisexual manifesto. So this was something that was published in 1990. Yeah, 1990. Um, it was, so this says, a historic declaration about what it means to be bisexual is defined by members of the bisexual community themselves from the magazine Anything That Moves, a literary, journalistic and topical magazine published in the USA from 1990 to 2002. So... This is the quote I found. I actually found this on Tumblr. I had to do a bit of digging to find this, um, and I don't know if it's a whole thing, but I thought it was a beautiful thing to read on this podcast and very affirming. We are tired of being analysed, defined, and represented by people other than ourselves, or worse yet, not considered at all. We are frustrated by the imposed isolation and invisibility that comes from being told or expected to choose either homosexual or heterosexual identity. Monosexuality is a heterosexist dictate used to oppress homosexuals and to negate the validity of bisexuality. Bisexuality is a whole fluid identity. Do not assume that bisexuality is binary or (laughs) duogamous in nature that we have two sides or that we must be involved simultaneously with both genders to be fulfilled human beings. In fact, don't assume that there are only two genders. Do not mistake our fluidity for confusion, irresponsibility, or an inability to commit. Do not equate promiscuity, infidelity, or unsafe sexual behavior with bisexuality. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means six flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Those are human traits that cross all sexual orientations. Nothing should be assumed about anyone's sexuality, including your own. We are angered by those who refuse to accept our existence, our issues, our contributions, our alliances, our voice. It is time for the bisexual voice to be heard. I really, really love that and I just found it so um, so affirming, like I said, um, that these bisexual people got together in this, the lead up to this publication in 1990 to say this. Um, and, you know, as I've been saying throughout this episode, it also acknowledges the fact that you can't assume these things about people who are bisexual, like, you know, they have two sides or they must be involved simultaneously with both genders um, or, you know, and that those two genders are the only two genders, right? Um, and I think that the thing for me is it's like, all of those stereotypes can make it hard, has made it hard for me to see what I actually want. So it also doesn't mean that being with one person is fulfilling either. 
And that can be regardless of sexual orientation again. So you could be straight and be like being one person isn't enough. You could be gay and being with one person isn't enough. I think that they're two sort of different spectrums and they they interlink and depending on you and what's right for you will depend on where you sit. So the sec- the spectrum of, um, you know, homosexuality to heterosexuality and the spectrum of bisexuality that exists in between all of that and then the spectrum of monogamy and polyamory and there's also different levels of that as well like on one extreme you could have no primary relationship you could have lots of different um, fluid relationships with people that get you know that you have closeness with and then distance with and all that kind of stuff and then on the other extreme you have one person that is everything to you and you know all of that kind of stuff so and there's no wrong or right (laughs) there's no wrong or right it's just that society has made it seem like and well it's true like that in certain amongst certain people you will only get positive regard for fitting the mold you know um it's like I even found that with like telling people I didn't want to have kids telling people I didn't want to change my last name you know those things which I'm like god like they're like so obvious to me I still found that people were kind of like, why? Why didn't you want to have children? Like I was threatening them and their, you know, desire to procreate or not wanting to change my last name, which was just so obvious to me. I'm like, no, no one owns me. Like my name is my name. I'm not going to fucking change it. And people thinking that I was like threatening their identity, you know, and I'm like, no, if anything, the institution of marriage and this idea that you have to take someone else's last name threatens my identity, Um, something I feel very strongly about. But I think that, you know, I I think that in society this is such an – like I've been looking for a podcast episode that says this stuff that I'm saying to you now and I couldn't find it so I just decided to record it myself which is kind of why I recorded the other one as well because this isn't a business episode, this isn't an entrepreneurship episode. I'm just like this needs to be talked about and podcasts are such a nice way I think to consume content like this and I think it's also quite a safe way to consume content like this because it's not printed out anywhere, you know, if you want to kind of – if because the thing is as well as I'm saying that because I know that there's people, there's so many people that have – this is so sad but they've come out as bisexual to their partner and they're in an increased risk of domestic violence. Um, and I know that. And so I'm like, which is just horrible. Like imagine that. Imagine coming out to your the person who you love, not only feeling rejected by the person you love, but actually being assaulted by the person that you love because of your sexual orientation. Um, really, really uh, horrible. And like I said last time, there's so many mental health issues and when we talked about self-actualization I think that helps to clarify it because last episode I talked about this I was like you know people who are in bisexual uh, people who are bisexual who are married um, in the traditional sense of what marriage means um, I'm assuming (laughs) based on the study I mean everyone has um, you know like the monogamy thing shouldn't be assumed across any sort of sexual orientation but bisexual people don't tend to get the health benefits and I'm like that's really puzzling and then when I was kind of thinking about this Carl Rogers stuff I was like you know this is just a complete hypothesis Um, but understanding more about self-worth and that ideal self and 
seeking that positive regard, I think what's happening, perhaps, perhaps a con- contributing factor to this, and certainly something that's been a contributing factor in my own life, is feeling like we have to hide a part of ourselves in order to be accepted by the person that we love. And whether that's true or not, it's like we've internalized that belief that we can't be accepted for who we truly are. And so then with our partners, they don't get to see who we truly are. And this is kind of the note that I wanted to end on. So I'm just going to, I'm going to come back to it in a second because I also wanted to share my reaction to the lesbian manifesto. So I read this, if you don't know about this, it was kind of something that went a bit viral on TikTok a while ago and I'd heard about it from someone and then I was like, I should read it and I got to reading it finally the other day. And so it was it was interesting. Um, I think it depends who you are to whether or not it's going to be helpful. Like in a lot of ways, asking questions, you know, I'm a big believer in asking questions and helping people explore and think what's right for me and what isn't. For me as someone who is bisexual, I was reading it and I was kind of like, there's, it's like, yeah, that's true. No, that's not true. Yeah, that's true. No, there's, that's not true. And I guess in some ways it probably just further reinforced my sexual orientation. But I think also there were things in there that I felt like, well, that could also be true for someone who's bisexual. And I did think that it could potentially be something that was a bit confusing probably for people who were questioning, um, you know, and I guess the thing is, is depending on where you are in your life, it could be triggering for different reasons. Now, is being it being triggering bad? Not necessarily. I did also wonder about how much of it was true, you know, because there's no like it's it's there's no clear source of where this came from. And so you read it, or for me, I kind of read it and I was like, well, like, where is this coming from? Is this one person's idea of what um, you need to be thinking through and what sort of experiences you might have and also what experiences um, bisexual women have or bisexual trans women as well? Like because I'm going to stick with women because obviously it's about um, so women and trans women because um, it's not really written, written for for bisexual men, right? Um, but I think, you know, kind of one of the the core themes was this idea that we've been conditioned, women have been conditioned to play a certain role with men and to feel like, um, you know, this is the way that they have a relationship and this is the way. It's interesting. I just think um, you've got to be in the right mind frame. I definitely definitely found it triggering definitely found it a bit upsetting um because it did I I guess probably I did feel a bit threatened by it in some ways and probably just for where I'm at at the moment it was it was a bit confronting but I woke up and actually felt a lot better um after I'd read it the night before because I was like oh actually no there's clearly a lot of things in there that I you know, I'm not, um, you know, and I've gone through periods of my life in the past where I've gone like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm a lesbian, you know? Um, and I think again, that's because there's this pressure to be one or the other. Um, and I felt that come through a little bit. Um, I think it would have been really great if there would have been more context and more thought given to 
or you could be bisexual. I think that was probably the piece that was missing that I felt like was a bit negligent is these are the kinds of things you might be experiencing and that might tell you if you're bisexual or you're gay and you're currently thinking you're straight. Um, I think that there should have been some more inclusive language in there. But anyway, if you haven't checked it out and that sounds like something that's of interest to you, um, just Google the Lesbian Manifesto. I'm sure you'll be able to find a copy from someone. Um, I don't really want to put the link in here because I feel like it's a bit of a derail from the conversation, but I know I'm talking about it, so you might find it interesting. Um, So the point I wanted to finish up on, so like I said, the point that I wanted to kind of end on was around allowing people to see who we truly are. The thing is, is we don't owe anyone anything. We don't owe anyone ourselves. We don't owe anyone that visibility. But for ourselves, we do owe it to ourselves to be visible to ourselves. And in the context of a long-term relationship, in a positive relationship, in a marriage where you're loved, if you can't be yourself, if you don't feel like you can be yourself, then it's kind of a bit of a poison chalice anyway, right? Like if you are like in my relationship, I can't be, I can't express who I am. I can't talk about who I am. I'm essentially in the closet with my partner. Then um, you're not going to ever be able to accept that love completely is always going to be this barrier in the way because you're not completely known and you can't completely self-actualize. And so you're kind of building this wall between you and your partner. Um, At the same time, there can be ways to do this where it's going to be a lot safer and a lot uh, because people can be, because of all this stigma, it's not necessarily because your partner doesn't love you or care about you because like even we struggle with it ourselves there's so much stigma society has really fucked us up with this stuff it's really important to get resources and advice and advice to help you have these conversations and communicate in a way where you're going to feel really understood you're going to feel safe and you're going to feel loved um So check out the Bisexual Resource Centre for that. Um, I think it's brc.org. I'll put a link in the um, show notes. And what I think I'm most excited about with being on this journey and realising all these things is it means that regardless of what happens in my life, I'm advocating for myself to realise my full potential. And that above everything else is the most important thing. For me, my mental health and my ability to self-actualize is more important than any other relationship that I have in my life. Not because other relationships aren't important, but because we actually, like I was saying, otherwise we're putting all these walls in the way anyway. You know, we have the same thing with like we can go through this with parents, you know, and and this isn't unique to people who are bisexual, but I just think it's common for people who are bisexual to have this have this wall up or feel like we can't talk about certain things or feel shame even if we've come out to a partner maybe we're like don't want them to see that we're like checking out someone of the same sex or don't want us to see don't want them to see certain like movies that we're watching or hear about certain people that we're attracted to you know um so 
we need to take that time to be visible to ourselves so that we can truly love ourselves and give ourselves the greatest opportunity to be loved by someone else as well. I hope that has been helpful and uh, has kind of, I mean, I've really tried to be as like open as I can be whilst being respectful of other important people in my life and not divulging like crazy amounts of information. Um, But I still wanted to be as candid as I could because I just think, again, I'm like, I want to see people talk about this because it makes me feel less alone. And so if I'm the person that needs to be the person that talks about it, I mean, it's cathartic for me to do an episode like this. And it was really cathartic the last time too. Um, So thank you as well for giving me the opportunity to share this. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love to know if you think it's helpful. Um, I'll put some resources in the show notes. And until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Oh, and just before I forget, also, if you enjoyed this episode uh, and you know someone who would also get a lot out of it, please consider sharing it with them. Um, And the other thing you can do is you can rate this podcast, review this podcast, really, really helps for the show to grow. So anything you can do there, really, really appreciate it. And now I'll say goodbye. Cheers, guys. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.